Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to Friday night. It's 5 p.m. somewhere here in Pacific California. It is 5 p.m. and it's your place for the unfiltered experience with myself, Christopher Rausch, and... Oh, you nailed it, Scott Goyette. Hold on. <laughs> What's up, Scott Goyette? How you doing tonight, brother? I'm good, man. Good, good. Life is good. Um, I'm on my phone, so the sound might not be as good, but... Uh... It's okay, Chris, because I'm here. And we, we show up, me. man. We show up. We show up to play. We show up to play. We show up to engage. We show up to participate. And that's what it's all about here at the Unfiltered Experience. It's your place for us to have unfiltered conversations with you guys, our, our unfiltered crew here, having a guest and just having amazing conversations. So tonight, please engage with us with your comments and your questions because we have a great guest coming up with us in just a few moments. So we see Lee. Lee is in the house already. Got Lee in the house. He goes, let's do this. Good evening, gents. Good evening, Lee, from uh, Las Vegas, California. Or Las Vegas, California. What the fuck am I saying? Las Vegas, the United Nevada. States. I didn't realize Las Vegas was in California. It's not far. <laughs> no, it's only drive. six hours. Yeah. It's really fast on a motorcycle. Oh, have you fast. done it before? No, but uh, I was in Vegas. We were at the Bellagio once, and some guy's like, yeah, I live in L.A. And I'm like, how long does it take to get here? He goes, how long does it take you to get here or me? And I'm like, <laughs> You. And he goes, like, a little over an hour. And I'm like, how fast are you going? He's like, I'm going, like, 170. He's got a, one of those crotch rockets. And I'm like, can you get killed? He goes, probably, but I get here quick. I was like, okay, you're that guy. So oh. Dude, that's crazy. that. So it's very close if you have a crotch rocket and you're willing to drive those roads insanely fast. Now, is crotch rocket a motorcycle term or is that, like, a San Fernando Valley term? No, I think it's a uh, like it's you know you get your Harley you know genre and crotch rockets so the you know, lean into that thing the the what is it the um, GSXR 1100s whatever that guy had or whatever it was. Uh -huh. that, yeah, I used like, to have a crotch rocket. I used to have a Honda, Honda Hurricane. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Almost ended I think my at life the time, on it. That was the crazy one. The GSXR 1100 wasn't that the fast. That was the one. That was that, the green. That was the green and white bike with the with the tubes that came off the tank. Yeah, yeah I that, one that's of the ones. one that gets you from LA to Vegas in seven seconds, and you <laughs> almost die, and then you put it all on black and go home. That's that one. Yeah, yeah. No, I rode I one of those bikes. Still out there. What was that? I wonder if that guy's still out there. He might be. I'm not sure. Yeah, no, I had one of the. I had, I had a. I had a Honda Hurricane 600 with uh, Vance and Heinz carbon pipe and shit like that, and it was fast. But then I raced this guy in a Jixer. We called them Jixers back then, and he's like, "Dude, you want to ride my bike?" I'm like, "No, that's cool." He's like, "No, no, just take a first spin." We were racing on the streets, and I went and took it. And I was like, "Oh my god, there was so much torque and so much power on it." I'm like, oh. "I don't even want to fucking ride this thing." It was so torquey and so powerful. I'm like, "No way." That's that's how I feel with some motorcycles. Like I like cruiser bikes. I used to have a um, uh, Vulcan Classic, Kawasaki Vulcan Classic, just a yeah. total cruiser, lots of chrome, black. You know, a nice day bike. You just go out for a cruise, yeah. and then I get on one of my friends like super fast, you know, racing bikes, and I'm like, this is too, this is too much. Like my bike's already fast enough. I don't need to almost die every time I get on the bike. It's just too much yeah, for me. No. You got to enjoy life. You got to enjoy life. I mean, I don't miss it. I mean, I actually miss it. It was a lot of fun until I crashed. I crashed on Ortega Highway uh, following some of my fast friends, and I was trying to keep up. I wasn't wearing leathers or anything else and wound up fucking up my hands and all sorts of stuff. But, yeah, I was never the same after that accident, which pisses me off. But it was it was a good time. It was a good time. Yeah. So I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. So, you know, speaking of, speaking of going fast and living life to the fullest and you know, not worrying about what other people think and doing it your way. Um, our guest is somebody who's been on here before. Uh, he's somebody who just put out a new book, and I see it all over Facebook. A lot of people giving some positive impact. It's been in the news, all kinds of good stuff. And he's a guy who I bet he'd go fast. I bet he'd go fast and not be afraid. Yeah. Why don't we bring on tyler our good friend tyler campbell what's up brother? tyler campbell in the house the unfiltered house what's up tyler man welcome to the unfiltered experience man How are you doing? what is going on gentlemen listen what is going on, Ooh, what's listen, going on? i'm gonna tell y'all let me tell y'all something the honda 600 rr or cbr series oh yeah man i'm looking at this thing look what color was your bike chris you mine gotta was, tell mine me was red and white this one man look it looked look pretty smooth <laughs> out here brother they got pictures of it they got this guy uh -huh. on here with the red and white bike i mean i'm Ooh. looking at it nice yeah it was a badass bike it was it was, <laughs> it was it was it was truly badass i rebuilt it after i crashed and then i had some lady i was seriously coming home from the gym one night I rebuilt the bike and was fine. And this lady was, I was like coming down like it's a uh, small residential street in Huntington beach, California here. 
And I, I looked at her. I looked at my rearview mirror. There was nobody behind me. And I saw her making a left-hand turn. And I was like, there's, she's going to wait for the, like, there's nobody behind me. She's going to wait for me. She pulled left right in front of me, nearly caused me to crash. Unfortunately, there was nobody coming in the other lane. So I had to veer off in the other lane. I turned my bike around. I went and chased her ass down. The guy that was coming out of the residential street saw me go chase her down. He went and chased wow, me down. Man. And I was like, roll down your fucking window. Roll down your window. I'm like, where the fuck could you do that? And the guy's like, hey, man, hey, man. I said, if you want to fucking lose your life, you better shut the fuck up right now. And I went home and I told my wife at the first, my first wife, I said, I'm selling my bike. And she's like, what? You just rebuilt. I said, no, I got to sell it. I said, yes, I'm going to either get fucking killed or I'm going to kill somebody. Kill somebody. I knew that's what you were going to say. I knew that's exactly what you were going to say. <laughs> and so, I sold it. I sold it. So Scott, he had to get up off of it. I found out Kim was pregnant. Once I knew I was going to have a child, I sold my toys and I became a very different person pretty much just because I wanted to live and be there for my kid. So. It's a valiant reason. It's reasonable, right? Yeah, <laughs> reasonable. Hey, I heard the cruisers are good, though, man. I heard the cruisers are easier on your bike, and you can just kind of, you can really yeah. get some distance going versus Jeans being hunched and a over all the time. Sit back. I know it's stupid. You got to wear the leathers, but there's yeah. something about the wind in your hair, not wearing a helmet, acting like an idiot. Just go out to, you know, you know where I'm, I live, Tyler. So we'd go out yeah. to the Salt Lake. Yeah. There's some back roads that back in the day there were no cars on them, so yeah. I would just go cruise at like 65. We'd go eat barbecue, we'd drive back, no cars around, totally, you know, as safe as can be. And that was enjoyable to me. But once you have a kid, you realize it could be sand on the road, one idiot mm -hmm. comes out, one yeah, drunk man. driver, one anything. And I'm like, it's all done. Man, I know. I hear you. It's crazy. And you I'm still been on sitting here talking. So it was a good decision. Nice. We got John in the house. We got, well, Jock. I call him Jock. Says, mm -hmm. what's up? Good evening, folks. He's coming up into us with uh, from LinkedIn. We got from LinkedIn. Big Jock. We got Robert in the house. Thank you, Robert, for being here um yes 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 so hey let's just jump right into it tyler because yeah, i want to yeah, yeah. i want to have some time to, to really let's go let's go book. let's go so so you wrote a book i mean make sure i get the title right for it right here so you wrote the book the ball came out life from the other side of the field yes man sir. i gotta tell you i'm not done with it but what i'm reading so far i'm about halfway through with it man i'm really inspired by the story that you're telling and the vulnerability in which you're telling it so really what i want to start off with is what inspired you to write this book I finally got to the place where I could free my 12 year old self. I'm 30, mm. I'm 35 years old. You know what I'm saying? So just to give people context of how long that took and, and like, please don't feel ashamed. You know, don't, you know, it, it took me a long time to be able to get there. And, um, I cried many tears, Chris, like much like, so the book was therapy for me. Can I say that? Right. Is that, oh, is yeah. that okay? So, oh, yeah. and here's the truth. I wrote the book selfishly. I wrote it for me, Christopher mm -hmm. Scott. I wrote it to free Tyler of his 12 year old self. And if you look at the cover, if you look at the cover, people don't gloss over it. So if you look at the cover, you look in the stands of the cover. And I was so, uh, so on the artwork to let people know that I freed myself, that there's a little 12 year old boy who's got his head buried in his, his, um, his, uh, his arms and in his knees. That is the imagery of 12 year old Tyler. Whoa. So nobody, nobody really looks at the, the cover of the, but you see a little, you see a little being in the stands in the backdrop. That's literally what I, who I wrote it for. I wrote it for me. And I know a lot of authors would say I wrote it for this person and, and I wrote it for that and, and doing that. I wrote it for me. And, mm -hmm. uh, and, and that, because I finally got to a place where I could honestly, I, I got through my apologizing to people who were important in my life. The, I'm sorry for the way I mistreated you. Um, in my life over the last two years. I mean, that's what I kind of spent my time doing and and then addressing the wounds that have been left open early in my life. And those wounds have been bleeding on other people. And oh, by the way, some of those other people are my children. So I had to readdress all of those things to get something on paper. And once I did that, I could write and I could write and I could write. But I always wanted to write a book, guys, but I couldn't. And the reason being was because I hadn't addressed the people and the topics of what I put into the book. That's why I could never write one. Nice. I get it. Yeah. So what, what has that process been for, for your family and your friends? I mean, to, I mean, cause I've, I've talked to a lot of people recently and they've written books and I've talked to them about the process of like, you know, coming clean with their parents and coming yeah. clean with their kids and coming clean with their friends and like just exposing themselves. What has that process been like for you? People just never knowing, you know, yeah. I, I, you know, as and look, this is uh, any man can vibe with this. Um, you know, you have a man's foolish pride. So you you already already accustomed to being born and birthed into this world of masculinity. I played football. So, of course, there's this unspoken language that you just don't go into. 
And so that's ingrained in you. And then you carry that over into your personal life. So now when I, when people are reading this stuff, they're like, I never knew. Well, of course you never knew. Right. There wasn't a space for, for this. There, there wasn't a space for, for hurt and pain. And, and then for me, it wasn't that my parents didn't allot it guys. I, I said that clearly in the book, Christopher, you, mm-hmm. you, Scott, you, I said it clearly. My parents did a great job, mm-hmm. but it just goes to show how powerful the human mind is because you can morph your own world. You can morph your own interpretations of what people think of you even before they even opened up their mouth. So when you walk into a room, you already have your assumptions of what somebody is saying about your clothes, your eyes, your talk, like you've already ingrained. That's how powerful your mind is. And so I morphed a world. I I morphed a world where my words didn't matter. I morphed morphed a world where um, that vulnerability, that transparency was not appropriate or accepted. Um, And I lived in that world for like 20 some odd years, guys, you know, um, masculinity of of the world that you grew up in. And, and that was my interpretation. That's why I tell people, you know, the heart is a special thing. This is where you want to look because this up here is so powerful. It can take you and it can create in you and it can shape things that just aren't real. Um, but you'll walk in it and you'll live in it and you'll shape your whole life by it without addressing it. It's, mm. it's amazing. So, Tali, I, I had a question for you because it's been um, yeah. kind of the topic of the week for me right now. Okay. And I've, I've been, I posted on Facebook, got some feedback. And I asked people, I said, if and when you change you, does the world change? And, you know, that's a loaded question because a lot of the mm. answers that come back are, well, if I change me, my perception of the world, you know, changes. Mm. I'm like, no, that's not what I asked. Mm-hmm. I said, if you change you, does the world change? And so the question I want to ask you based on that idea is we've got a lot of athletes who will probably listen to this show. You know, there's yeah. going to be some kids who are mm-hmm. you know, younger and they're in a situation in college sports or high school sports. And they're sitting here right now going, well, I can't be vulnerable. Like the whole the whole locker room is going to say this to me, this to me. I see you're excited about it and I'd be excited about this, too. That's why I'm asking. So. Um, what do you tell the young athlete today, the 12, the 13, mm-hmm. the 20 year old who's sitting here saying, I don't want to look like a wuss or I don't want to show weakness. What do you tell them in defense of what vulnerability is to many and what it really can be? So, uh, and again, freedom, but to me, this is me, this is my opinion. And y'all can give it back. You know how we rock guys. I mean, you, you don't agree with like we talking here. This is, this is honesty right here. So for me, when you talk about the world, I don't believe the world changes just the way that you view it and the way that you respond to it changes. And that's powerful because that is your own. That is your own power. So then we we're, we, we, we we transfer back to athleticism. Heck, let's take it deeper, Scott. Let's go on our job. And oh, yeah, by the way, bullying is still real in the right. world and the jobs that we look in, we live into from a worldly standpoint. So a lot of the stuff that we think is just juvenile or child's play. Listen, if you don't understand how to curtail it in those moments, it's still going to follow you into your adulthood. Hey, I'm speaking on it. It took me 20 some odd years to address mine. So this is what I'll tell you. And this is what I found out when I look back over my life and I look and I wrote it in the book. There are a bunch of generational curses that had yet to be broken, but had the opportunity to get broken when I looked at football. Most of the gentlemen on my squad um, come from single parent homes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Most of the gentlemen on my squad, a lot of them who were a uh, black minority, they were first generation college students. They, an incredible, an incredible opportunity that, you know, you just don't really think about. Like, you know it, but you don't, you don't think about how that transcends. What I learned from this book and what it taught me and which is what I can give, the guys didn't know about me and MS. They had no idea. I didn't I didn't tell them any of that. And they said, oh, my gosh, GC, how could you not tell us something like that? Like we boys um, erectile dysfunction, TC, man, we would I wouldn't have judged you. Are you kidding me? You were team captain. I would I would have tried to figure out, man, what is it that you need? So I was able to this is what I'll tell people. This is the answer. You're able to actually tap into somebody's heart of how they really and truly feel and who they are when you open up and reveal who you are. Because everybody wants the space, but the locker room they feel isn't the place. Okay, so you create 
the opportunity to redefine what manhood looks like. And watch this. They weren't going to question it because of the effort, because of the way I passionately play the game. So your sports will take over once your vulnerability and transparency reveals itself and people will be more empowered and more inspired. And watch this. You will gain more respect which is that underlying word in every sport, male or female, you want a person's respect. And a lot of times we think it's about the gameplay. But once you bring in somebody's heart, oh, that makes the team better. That makes the trust better. And by the way, again, you change the culture. Everybody talks about culture. Do this, bring new coaches in. When you give a young man your heart who's come from the inner city, who's had men come in and out of their life and they're looking for some form of consistency and you give them your heart and your transparency, it's over. They run through a brick wall for you. You have a connection. You know I that. So why is it when we as human beings, we are culture to connect? It's We're wired that way. That's why mm-hmm. solitary confinement is like one of the worst thing you can ever do for something. You go insane because you can't communicate. And and why do we make that so hard in in sports? I, I don't. It, it, it baffles me. You want the team to do this, but you haven't given them this. You right. haven't showed them where you were weak at, what you overcome, where you faltered, where you struggled, where you screwed up in life. But you want them to run through a brick wall, but you haven't given us your heart. I don't get it. I don't you know, get it. One, one of the things that you bring up that's so perfect and, you know, as, as an athlete or as, let's just say, um, a manager or a supervisor or, or somebody, you know, within an organization, so mm-hmm. many times we're grading people on the greatest of all time has the scoring title, the most championships mm-hmm. or whatever. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny and, um, and you relate to this too. People are like, well, Aaron Rodgers is way better than Tom Brady. And I'm like, no one's talking about the importance of this conversation. One of those two gentlemen, when he goes to a team, mm. the team comes together. There's there's this glue. There's the come connection. There's listening. There's come the ability to say, hey, you can come stay in my house because you're not feeling right. What do I need to do to support you? I may be the superstar, but you're equally important. Maybe I'm the CEO. You're the janitor. Mm. I recognize your brilliance. And why is everyone want to go numbers, 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 championships, championships? What about everything that happens off the court or off the field? And let's talk about that because I'm, I'm sure you're covering all that stuff and you want to talk about that. So many people are so worried about raw talent. And what they don't realize is the, the unsung hero of every team is the person who's that glue. Yeah. What does it look like to be that person? How can we become that person in our teams, whether it's at home, mm-hmm. at the office or in sports? Um, we live in a very fast paced world and uh, man, Zig Ziglar used to say it the best, and I remember because I, I read a lot, guys. I, I love stories, and I remember I remember we're young. I spoke with Zig Ziglar before Did he passed really? away in Dallas years ago. Oh my gosh, you know, I wish I would give the world just to have like an ounce of time just to listen. I don't oh, it was a talk. good. It was a I just want to shut up and listen. Um, <laughs> but I'll never forget the whole microwave society analogy, right? I, I love that because that's that is the mm-hmm. best way. Everything is now, 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 and so in America, when you want stuff now, now, now you skip over a person's journey. And I think my grandmother was so amazing at this because my family comes from absolutely nothing in rural East Texas, right? Absolutely nothing. Um, 11, 11 kids, 16 in one household at one particular time, all right? That's where they come from. And But she could hold people together through adversity. She lost her husband, raising the kids by herself. How can you hold people together and have them come through some form of adversity? You can't do it if there's not an essence of communication and self-sacrifice. Oh, yeah. You have to ask yourself, what will you give up? Automatically, to go back to what you said, Scott, if you look at the history, you know Tom Brady is taking a pay cut off top when he comes and when he stays. And the next year, he takes a freaking pay cut off top. So even if you don't know him as a guy, you automatically see he's in team if you're looking by the numbers because Tom Brady's going to take a pay cut to get to a championship. He's going to do something to uh, self-sacrifice. Yep. So a lot of so what we want is we want the trophy. We want the marriage. 
Mm-hmm. We want the the fatherhood. We want the family, but we don't want to give nothing up to get it. Mm, sacrifice. Now, 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 now mm. what is love? There's sacrifice involved with love, right? It, 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 not 50-50, we 100-100. You know, and, and so what, what, what you have to ask yourself, what are you going to be willing to give up? So I'm willing to give up my transparency. I'm willing to give up some of my reps. If you look at, listen to the book, Christopher, mm-hmm. you'll note that I noted that I wasn't the starter. Yeah. But it was still about how can I mentally approach the game and give it everything that I have and sacrifice pride and make my key blocks and do what I'm supposed to be on special teams so that somebody else can score a touchdown. And by the way, if I do my job and I make my block, then he's gone for 80. We win the game. We all getting yeah. W's. Mm-hmm. But doing my job, not worrying about somebody else or what you're doing over here. What am I going to sacrificially give up? And a lot of times we won't stay in our own lane. You want to run your race, but you're running your dog on race in somebody else's lane. You <laughs> so can just qualify straight off the cuff because uh-huh. you're not running your race. You're not being who you were supposed to be. You're not being who you were called to be with your gift and your heart and your value and your self-worth. And you don't understand that you are capable of so many things. But guess what? The people in our inner circle, they're suffering because we won't be willing to sacrifice a little bit to bring people together or Ooh. sacrifice a little bit to give somebody a, a piece of our heart or a window seat into our hurt and into our pain. And watch this. When a person learns your hurt and your pain, they'll do anything for you. I just, you know, it's not it's not going to kill you. And but 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 there is an element of self-sacrifice, guys. I can't I you you're going to have to sacrifice and give up something to get to where it is that you want to be. And Tom Brady does it every single doggone time. I, I it's every no time. coincidence. Every, every time. It, I mean, I'm not making up anything, guys. No. Go look at go Google his stuff. See how much and, he gives and, up and every you know year. what? The the people who hate him or or don't like him, I think it's literally just a giant mirror of Hey, we want heroics. We don't want to see somebody who sacrificed was a little older. So here's a question for Chris, because, you know, yeah, come, on, come, Chris. come on, Chris. <laughs> no, but so one of the things that, that I see every time I get off the phone with Chris or people in our inner circle is mm-hmm. the same exact thing. It's how can I help you? What can I do to be a service to you this week? And it's an offering of of time, energy, money, wh- whatever the thing is you need. There's sacrifice. And I can say across the board, the people I have the most respect for always in communication with that you know talk about that a little bit chris um because i mean think of everyone we know like as i said that you just saw like 50 people's like face pop up right right <laughs> i mean just talk about that because why why do we not all do that and want to give something well, I think, I think a lot of it comes back based on our preconceived notion that our conditioning process that we go through as kids, like we have the, the inputs in our brain that tell us to be this certain person. You have to, you have to be this certain person. You have to, you have to do these certain things and you have to live up, this, up, live up to this expectation when really, when you break it down, it's all about, like you were saying before, it was about connection. It's about being real. It's about being vulnerable because the more I'm vulnerable and the more I talk to more people, the more connection I have, the more impact that I have and the more, the better sleep that I get and the more I refreshed, I waked up, I wake up. So it's really about being true and real. And that's one thing I really got out of your book, Tyler. And I really appreciate your vulnerability in that because my question for you is thinking about your dad's legacy, right? And thinking about what you had to endure growing up, thinking about your father's legacy. And you could talk about this. What has that been for you writing this book and and the relationship with your dad? Yeah. Great question. That's a great, it's a great question. So I, I understood um, that he just had, he had a greater love. For the kids. I understood as a parent now, I understood that my dad was, man, he didn't have somebody to teach him how to be a dad, guys. Yeah. He, he didn't have a dad. So my dad was really piecing a lot of things together from coaches, from the people along the way that tried their best to feel. And I learned that my that he really, he really loves hard. Um my dad loves his kids hard. And and that's why he didn't want trophies and any of that stuff in the house. He wanted a total authentic him because he envisioned and missed the conversations of what it would have been like with his dad. Yeah. So it wasn't like so much he missed um uh how to be like the, the whole how to be a dad, port on port, but he he wanted to ooze love. 
is really, but but it's because that's what he wished he would have got, but he didn't ever get. So it was not uncommon for my dad to hug. It was not uncommon for my dad to kiss. And so when I'm writing my book, I'm thinking like, I'm remembering his love. Not even the football part of it. I'm, I, I, I kid you not, but that's not what anybody else knows. They just see the mammoth guy. They think the football. And as I'm writing my book, I am thanking the man up above because my dad was good with kissing us. He was good with kissing his two boys. He was he was good with hugging his two boys outwardly, not shamefully. Yeah. And 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 I'm I'm writing. I'm like, oh my god, that's that's why he I hug my son. That's why I kiss oh. my son without mm-hmm. without even like. But I learned in my manhood that that's not the same for everybody. But why can't it be? In what way? In terms of uh, guys not willing to be as affectionate, mm-hmm. hearing those stories from people who said, you know, I can count the times on my hand when my dad told me he loved me and yeah. don't cry. That was another thing. Don't cry. Don't do. He never he never did that. You know, what I'm, and that's why I tell people like that's what I had in my mind. And so honestly, the the pressure was never in my home. It was always what I built, always what I perceived outwardly when I left. That's why I did I did not have an understanding of how important this up here was. I didn't understand, Christopher, how important it is to mind your own mind. Yeah. That concept had never I wish um when I look back, I wish I would have understood the value of of like cultivating and taking care of this. And I never, ever did. And 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 not to not to mention, um, I have a history of mental illness that I learned through my book. Like when I was writing, I learned I forgot I have a history of mental illness on my father's side. A great aunt who was checked into the mental institution in uh, East Texas. So there's a history of that on my dad's side um, and from others. So should we should have been. But. Um, we never had those 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 types of discussions. I learned that those aren't the ones that that are in my community as often, and that's where we got to play catch up. And and that's why later in the book I, I talk about my therapy session. I, I hope that it will be a gateway that those discussions and those conversations can be more prevalent in my community. That that, that willingness of love, um, yeah. out of fathers and kissing and hugging, yeah. without um, a doubt. That I hope that's a, a language of discussion that happens a lot more often and and it's beautiful and it's gorgeous and it's amazing. And that's what we do because that's what our boys need. Um, They need more love. They need a space for it's okay in their adolescence instead of pushing this, this what masculinity is supposed to look like. That's there's more to it than that. So there's, there's so much more to it and it's, and it's beautiful. There's, but go ahead, Chris. That's, that's my thing. It wasn't, the pressure, not so much. There was a lot of love. There's a lot of doggone love. A lot, of, a lot of love, hugging and kissing. Tyler put it on himself when he left the home, and I didn't know how to mind my own mind. I didn't know how to tune out. I didn't know how to trust what was what I had at home, which was good enough. I didn't, I didn't know how to do those those things. And that's not my parents' fault, guys. That is, that's the power of the mind and what Tyler built and perceived and what he thought he had to be mm-hmm. um, in his own mind. Own mind. That's so true. That's so true, bro. bro um, the one thing I want to really want to talk about, uh, like one of the first parts of the book that really struck me is your honesty and your vulnerability when you talk about what you did before the game. Mm-hmm. Talk to us about what you did before the game and then what you did to own up for that because I have to give you mad respect because at an early age, I would have probably done something different, but talk to us about that story and what you learned from that. Yeah, uh, so... So again, um, not minding my own mind, I'll keep the thing constant and um, not understanding the magnitude of your actions and how they affect everybody in your life. What you do, how you treat people, how you talk to individuals, how you how you um, how you just approach your life, how you communicate with people. It is a model of not only yourself, it's a model of the generation that's coming underneath you that you may never know. Um, it is a model of your your family, your ancestral heritage, whatever. It's not just about you. Yeah. And and I I forget I I I I misinter- I didn't understand that. 
And so, um, again, I'm, I'm lost in this world because I'm still trying to find myself. You got to understand, I'm, I'm one of the few African-Americans in my, in my entire community. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm very different. Um, I'm a nerd, but I'm, I'm playing this masculine sport of football. So I'm not fitting, but I'm already creating this world that's not me. And before I know it, I'm, I'm swept up in this world. I don't, even, I don't even know who I really and truly am, but I'm having success in the field. And so that led to a lot of just, just being lost. And the only way I felt like being found was the sensation that alcohol would give me. Mm-hmm. Like many of us. I, it was just, you. I drank. I drank Secret Seven's gin on purpose because if I drank gin, because Snoop Dogg had come out with gin and juice, if yeah. I drink, if I drank Secret Seven's gin and I mixed it with Coke instead of juice, if I drank it with juice, then people, with orange juice, then people would have been like, oh, that's like Snoop Dogg. I want to taste. I didn't want you to have none of my Secret Seven's gin. So I mixed it with Coke. Because I knew I could have the whole bottle to myself and I wouldn't have to share with you. This was mine. And so that's what I drank and I drank it all the time. And then I learned that uh, I could go to Barton Creek Country Club and sweat out the alcohol in a steam room. Mm-hmm. So that would make it where the alcohol gets released out of my body even faster. And I'm ready for Monday practice. I'm ready for Tuesday practice. I'm ready. You know what I'm saying? So I had, like an addict, I had cultivated my own therapy world. Mm-hmm. And that led to me getting uh, popped by the police at Austin High High School. I went drunk there because then when you're when you're inebriated, when you're drunk, you think you're invincible. You mm-hmm. think nobody notices things. You think people can't smell the alcohol in your breath. They don't see the way that you're walking. They don't see the way that you're talking, i.e. the way that you live in the world, not understanding that the way you talk and walk and treat people is a reflection and people are paying attention. Yeah. I didn't understand that being drunk. And that led me to getting popped by the police and sent to the alternative system. And uh, that was the only time I could actually sober up was in the was in the alternative system. And, and that's when my dad's love, to your point, yeah. really shined bright for me. Um, hard lessons learned. I called every single Division One college coach who recruiting me and and I apologized to them. And I told them so that I was good. in the alternative system. And so that was good. that wasn't a lesson of hate. Even my wife was like, man, why your daddy do that? And I was like, because he, because he loved. I can totally see a, a, a wife loved, or a woman doing that. He, going, what the? <laughs> he loved me. He he loved me. He didn't yeah. want to lose me. He he wanted to teach me. Forget about the sports. Your integrity. Um, mm-hmm. That's way more important. Forget football. You're 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 my son. And I just want you to treat people the way you want to be treated. I want you to treat yourself with enough love and worth that you won't do that to yourself anymore. Because you're, I remember my dad said, man, dad, dad used to tell me, he's like, son, you're so handsome. Handsome inside and out. And he would be like, just, you don't want to do that. We got a history of that in our family. I know how that turns out. But we we don't need to do that no more. And uh, you lose everything to sometimes realize you know how good you got. I lost everything, Chris. That's what you read in the book. <laughs> it was tough I love, just, guys. Mad, I, mad props, mad props to yeah. you, mad props to you. Coming clean to your mom. And I was yeah. reading that. I was like, mad respect to you, Tyler. So I just yeah. want to make sure you know that. Yeah, thanks, brother. Hey, it hurts. I'm not, Chris, I'm not one of them people, Scott, to not, I'm not going to sit here and tell people it's not going to hurt when you have to come clean about stuff, when you have to change a lifestyle, when you, man, when you got to tell people you're sorry, I'm not going to sit here and say that, man, that person, might not be as forgiving. I, I I can't say that. That's not what I'm saying. What I can say is you will set yourself free yeah. to hopefully open it to where somebody else new will come in your life's journey along the way and feel that level of love for what was lost by the decision to make your life right. Mm-hmm. That You <laughs> opened it up for that to happen. I, I can say that, but I, I'm not going to sit here and sugarcoat it and say, Chris, like, Man, that was that was a tough time in my life, brother. I was like, man, this is hell. I was there with you. I was reading it. I was like, damn, this this is hell, brother. I I lost every, I lost it all, man. All those scholarships gone. (laughs) Yeah, you know, and that's one of the hardest things I think for any of us is we have this illusion that if we anesthetize ourselves in any space or we allow energy to be stagnant, you know, by just staying put and saying. Okay, well, those people are mad at me. I'll hide here. When we start to go to that complacent space, we're energetic beings. We need to be in motion. We need to be in movement. You've got to say, I was wrong. You've got to move into that space of forgiveness because 
the universe always has something else. Whatever you needed to learn in your mistakes is a lesson. You can't just stay in the same space of that negativity. And and I'm speaking from current experience right now. There's some stuff that I'm dealing with where I'm speaking some truth or making apologies or shifting the way I behave. And I don't like it. I, I still, you know, you brought back up, but, you know, 12-year-old Tyler, well, little boy Scott who's like, mm, you know, like, I'm still doing it at 51. I'm I'm like, but, oh, oh, you know, like, of course, I'm not doing that out loud, but in my head, I am. I'm like an adult. But, I mean, we all do it. And, 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 you know, I think one of the best pieces of advice is exactly what you just said, and I think it needs to be said a thousand times over. It is not going to be easy, but we can go through was high school easy? Was college easy? Was running the marathon easy? Was was finding the perfect partner? Like there's there's something we had to do to practice to become the competitor to live out that dream. And and that's that's what this world is. There's there's, there's some work, and that work is actually just the journey that's going to bring about some great beauty. And we all have to go through it. Man, that's good. Mic drop on that one, Big Scott. God, <laughs> that was good, brother. The mic drop. Okay, so I want to take a quote from your book, and I want you to explain it. Yes. I, I actually, I normally I don't prepare, but I actually did prepare for this one. <laughs> so, so, so I, well, I just go. Raw, I mean, I just raw and scripted or whatever. Um, so you said, "quote I wish the world of doubters could see the brilliance of our people instead of judging and casting stones." Amen. Tell us about that statement, because I yeah. know, I think I know what it means, but I would love for you to eloquently describe what you meant in that statement yeah man so so understand i'm so i'm in cali now i mean i'm in pasadena city college i've got on my team i've got bloods i've got crips i've got this i'm I'm a west austin suburban kid and now i'm in southern california and i'm i'm having to you know hurry up yeah i'm I'm having to get with (laughs) california culture right and um and 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 learning what to wear and what not to wear but then there was also another side that was beautiful to that and it was again i wasn't used to being around my people as much i didn't have that growing up in west austin westlake high school suburban area i just i was one of the few black people in my my class every year you know the only one in the class or, or one of four in high school you know so i so all my life i had heard and seen the news and the depictions of my people and I grew up with Rodney King taking place. I grew up with, um, you know, all this other portrayal of, 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 of my people that you see in the media and it's not always good. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what I got being around my culture 24-7, 365 for the first time was I experienced so much love. I experienced guys from New Orleans and, and guys from uh, South Central, guys from Compton, California, who embraced a Texas kid who was green and from the suburbs and took me underneath their wings and told me, hey, don't wear this. Yo, don't don't say that word. Don't listen to that music. Or you come come over here with us. Come sit over here with us. Don't, don't, you, you talking to the wrong people. They don't have your best interest. And that's not the love that I saw in the news. That I saw a lot of fear. I saw a lot of high emotions and a lot of wrongs. And then I... I, I got my hair braided for the first time. And I truly felt like in that moment, I was entrenched in my culture in a way that I never had. I'd always, you know, heard that your hair has so much power to it. It is a it is a part of you. And I experienced that for the very, very first time. I I, I got so much love. And and I I said to myself, man, I wish people, everybody could experience this. Versus putting their judgment out based off what they see or heard in music or saw on the news or there's a lot of love in my culture as people. And it's always been that way. And I needed to be educated on that in the process because it was something I never even got the chance to experience because I wasn't raised around it. So when I got my hair braided by a young lady, um, those are what that's what I felt. Um, I felt so powerful. I felt so purposeful. I felt so, so, so much meaning. And that was actually where I saw other men loving and appreciating other men. It was how they loved me. And so then I knew it was possible. 
So that just like it totally set my mind on a whole different. I was like, oh, my gosh, it's real. It's love. And these are cats who are from the hood. These are cats who are from Magnolia Projects. These are cats who are from Compton. These are cats who are from South Central. These are cats who are from um, Pasadena, like hardcore, like on, on the blood side of Pasadena. Like, but yet they showed so much love. And they didn't know me from Adam, guys. Don't throw stones. Mm. Just take a chance to 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 ask somebody, you know, get to know a person. Ask them what type of music they listen to. You know how much of a conversation you'll get out of somebody if you just ask them, what's your favorite food? Or what type of music do you <laughs> listen to? You have me at food. I'm ready. Let's do it. Somebody <laughs> will, they will tell you something. And if you're lucky, you might just like that same music or like that same feud. Or no matter what, you got a conversation. I... It's just so much love, brother. And it, I, I wish that's the type of stuff that more of the world, you know, talked about because they are, it's all good. Go here's ahead, Scott. A, here's a question for you because this is something I, I feel like everyone listens to that and wants to do it. Mm -hmm. But yeah, how do you, and I have an answer, I'm sure Chris has an answer, but how do you establish that energy to go up to somebody who looks completely different than you, that you think you have nothing in common and you're afraid to say the dumb thing or, how do you walk into a room full of people or go to a park where there's people who look different and just be like, hey, can I play? Because we all feel like, well, I, I, well, what am I supposed to say? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I'm, yeah, gonna, yeah, yeah. Example, I'm just going to tell you what I did once and I'll tell you the outcome after you explain your answer. I actually was, I rented a white Mustang convertible and I wanted to play basketball. Didn't really understand where Compton was. And oh, I found shit. a basketball court. I pulled into Compton and played basketball with 10 other guys who look nothing like me and one guy i was shooting around when, when i walked over he goes he's cool and then uh, he kind of like covered me and i realized how stupid it was but for some reason i lived why do you think yeah. that happens and how do we sell sell that to other people what is it that we've got to do to be able to move into spaces that we're not comfortable in because i'll be honest with you sometimes mm -hmm. it's stupid sometimes mm -hmm. it's scary but I want to do it, and I want everyone to do it. Yeah. So this is this is the I'll speak from I'm gonna speak from my own personal because so understand in my life in my lane everybody already has a depiction of who I'm supposed to be like who I'm supposed to act mm -hmm. because of they know who my father is. Sure. So that's for me it was always outside looking in, like just trying to fit in even yeah. more so because. Everybody knows this is Earl Campbell's son. Oh, he come from money. Oh, he not, you know, he ain't he ain't black. He like white black. You know what I'm saying? Like he sure. ain't, you know, because he comes. So for me, it was double that. Yeah. Even harder to to fit in with my people. And so for that, it was to never focus on my I was everything was all about being in that specific moment with a person. Never, never starting a discussion off with when I was in what you call it or man, y'all did that. But I remember like never, never going back. I'm meeting you where you are. I'm coming in your lane and I'm meeting you exactly where you are. Whatever it is that we're doing, we are talking about what is taking place in this exact right now. I love right it. now. Like I, there is no past. There is no future thought of hell. I'm barely even Tyler in that moment. Um, my name rarely ever came up when I walked into this room full of people who knew me, but I didn't know anything about them because we'll make no mistake about it. I'm, and I'm not being arrogant. It was the fact that everybody did know, no matter what team I was on, who mm -hmm. my dad was. That information right. had already been leaked up. So everybody already had in their their mind a preconceived notion as to how I was talking about. So I was two steps behind the eight ball. Yeah. I'm talking about like I'm on, I'm, on, I'm on the edge getting ready to get knocked in. That's how much. Um, I was at a disadvantage with trying to just meet people. So you really, so this is what I learned in in that in that that game when football. You know, you can put the pads on, you can you can play ball, and that that would speak for himself. Yes, but what about the off the field? The off the field is what we're talking about, and it was literally, man, you feel that way because the teacher said that, bro. I man, I would have felt the same exact way. Yeah, like she she said she had that to say and she don't know anything about where you come from. Like that's not right. Man, TC, yeah, you feel exactly where I'm coming from. I said the same thing in my head. That's why he her and I that's why I started arguing like that. That's man, really. So you get me, T. Hey man, come over here. You want something to eat? 
We got to talk about this some more because these cats over here, my homeboys, ain't going to believe nothing about what just happened. You got to tell them. About and so is is meeting people where they are in their hurt, in their pain, in their excitement and in their joy and giving them the space to further talk about that high level of emotion that they are experiencing in that moment. Or just say if it's the music, we talking about the music. I ain't coming to you off some off the wall stuff. You sitting here listening. I'm saying, man, I ain't never heard this before. Who is this? <laughs> I, I don't know what this is. Man, y'all, you don't know who this is, Tyler? Are you kidding me? How, where you been? Man, I just, hey, I really don't know. I'm not from here. Really? Oh, well, where you from? Boom, we got a conversation. So it's, it's literally just, it was about meeting people where they are and staying in that moment. And whatever happened in your life before, whatever happened in your life in the past, don't nobody give a dang about that. We talking about what's taking place in the present. And if you talk about what's in the present, maybe I can, maybe, not all the time, but maybe, just maybe, somebody will give you a little bit of their heart in the process. Maybe. I I, I would say not, like, like my experience with what you just said is... You know, I've done the same thing and like I've been in Brazil trying to speak Portuguese in, in barrios, favelas, where you're not supposed to go in. And I'm just like offering to buy someone a beer and then I'm just sitting there hanging out because people just want to know that you want to connect. Like you nailed it. Like, I don't care who I am. I don't care who you are. What's going on right now? What's what's going on here now? That's it. That is That's it. it. That's it, brother. And like I said, your your heart will get exposed over time. And then that person, this is the best part. Here's the best part, Scott. When you were down there, they didn't get a chance. They didn't know your heart until they got a chance to talk to you. And yeah, then yeah. When, when you talked, even if you didn't understand the language, the fact that you was trying or the fact that you didn't want nothing from somebody, you weren't trying to get to get somewhere. Like people are starting off a conversation. They trying to get somewhere. And you can tell that right <laughs> off the bat. You oh, can tell when you like, okay, you, you know what I'm saying? You, you're you're really not seeing me. You're you're trying to get somewhere. You're trying to buy drugs. You're trying to do this. You're trying to something. do something. I'm like, no, I'm just hanging out. <laughs> I'm just something. right here. So, but that and so that's even better. And so, what you probably happen, Scott? The more they got to know you, man, yeah. the more uh, uh, an organic conversation or body language or people let down their guard and just say, oh man, he's just here to chill. And yep. so that's all I tell people, man. These days, I just want to have a good time. And they say, man, it's, I tell people it's hard to have a, it's hard as hell to have a good time these days. Why is it hard as hell? Because people won't let you see their authentic self. So I don't, I don't know if this is a, a good time because you won't give me you and I'm trying to give you me, but you won't. So we're not having a good time. I, I, I think I just want think you're not inauthentic. Yeah. So I, and I'm just, I'm here. I'm just trying to have a good time, but. Okay, if you don't want to give me you, then that means you got a problem with me, and so that means we, uh, it, we can't have a good time. <laughs> we, we we can't have a good time. We're wasting so our time, yeah. We're wasting wasting our boom, time. and I ain't got time to race, Christopher. I ain't got time for that. That's when mm. I get irritated. That's when I get <laughs> agitated. Then then you get mad at me, but go ahead. Yeah, no, uh, we've already been talking for forty eight minutes. I looked up at the clock. I'm like, holy shit! I feel no, like go ahead, go ahead. No, no, no. There's another quote from the book that I that I took that I wanted to to mm-hmm. expand upon because I'll be so quicker. I'll be quicker. Go book. ahead. I'll be quicker. Um, so you said what we are what what you are deficient in becomes your proficiency. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I love the yeah, juxtaposition man. in that. So talk yeah. to us about where you're coming from on that one because I think people can get a lot of value out of that. Yeah, man. Um, so 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 I. It be, my weaknesses became my biggest strengths in life. My my ultimate weakness, okay, and so we're talking, and so people would never believe this. I'll use this as an example. I've had stage fright and a phobia of being in front of a lot, like growing up because I didn't understand who I was. Um, obviously, the ability to advocate for yourself or the ability to like speak your mind or just carry on a conversation amongst a group of people, that was never my strong suit. And I was terrified of those things. Um, I didn't understand that I was always terrible at those things because the man up above was trying to get me to really embrace it because he wanted me to do something in it. It was always uncomfortable and it was always scary and it was always frightening to be in front of people and talk to people and look people in their eyes. That was like, you talking about palm sweating, getting nervous, forget your name. That's me. So I live with MS. I get diagnosed in college and my limbs, my physical attributes get taken away. They're gone. 
the only thing I could do was move my mouth. And so that thing I was very deficient in, that thing that I was weak in, that thing that I was so frightened of, that thing that has scared me all of my life, then became a thing that I was forced to use and it turned into my superpower. And I always thought football was what I was supposed to be here on this earth to do. I wasn't even, I played football to get to a speech class that changed my life. That's why I played football. And I didn't get that revelation until my 20s. Yeah. So, so football was just the navigating tool. And so there's a lot of individuals who think they've discovered their best selves. And it's actually just a byproduct of who they're actually supposed to be. And so some people go their whole lives, you know, being comfortable, you made a little money, you, you know, you got, but you're still like hollow and still trying to figure out what's missing. And you haven't really discovered who you're supposed to be yet. You haven't had the joy and the revelation of like really discovering who you are. And when you discover who you are, it's so happy. It's, it's not even happy, it's joyful because joy yeah. comes from within. Happiness is an external factor. Joy comes from within. So when you discover who you are, you get joy. Joy never runs out. Joy keeps replenishing itself. Happiness requires somebody else giving you a compliment. Happiness tells, like you need somebody else to pour something into you to get you to do something. That's happiness. We don't want that. You need joy. So I got joy. And I got joy out of looking at what I deemed as a deficiency and turned it into that level of proficiency and efficiency for myself. Mm-hmm. It was... Um, the revelation that was birthed out of everything being taken away and I had to be focused on this thing that I sucked at and and was scared of. And and I found that there was a beauty in it. Um, it was it was an aura that you just chased and wanted more of. I wanted more communication. And that's what it was. It was just communication. I told you I was like introverted by nature. When I discovered this, it made me a more extroverted person. It It, it made me want to dialogue with people. It, it made me want to see your beauty. It made me want to hear your story. And, and then it, it, it just allowed me to just speak my heart. And then again, I found out that my heart um, is a good heart. I got a dope heart. It ain't nothing wrong with saying that. And that- You do, you do. More, I feel it. Yeah, and then that more people will love your heart. Mm-hmm. That there are more good people in the world than there are bad people, but they're, the bad people get the biggest, you know, they take over our, our social media, they take over our, di- but there are great people in this world. There are beautiful people in this world. Mm-hmm. And so that's what, so my, my mouth, which is what I was supposed to do all along, that's why I was so hard because he was trying to get me to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. And when I understood that, when I chose not to ignore the the nerdy side of me, not to, to ignore, not to ignore my comic books, not to ignore J.R. Tolkien, not to ignore C.S. Lewis, not to ignore all these amazing people that I would keep on the shelves and read in private. Um, not to ignore that. Yeah. Oh, bro, I was I was Jeez. like, I was set free, bro. Like you <laughs> I, I, I I became this is what happened, Chris and Scott. I became my own superhero. Oh, there it is. I became I, was for it. I became what what I read and what I loved and 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 I got a confidence um, over something that made me so scared. Love it. It was it was it turned into a strength. Had no idea that that was even possible. But you guys do. Y'all know about that. Um, I did. I didn't know that was that was even possible at that age. I didn't. Oh, yeah. I had no idea. That's awesome. No I idea. love it. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it has been 54 minutes. Man, Tyler, we could keep going. I love your soul and your heart. Ladies and gentlemen, you guys got to go out and get the book. What's the name? What's the title of the book again? I'm here on deck. Boom, 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 boom. Oh, look at these guys. The ball came out, life on the other side of the field. And uh, that's that's the book. And 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 you'll see the 12 year old little boy sitting in the stands when you see it. And it's it's available on Amazon. If you're in Austin, Texas, I just got into book people. And that's like the first. Um, book that I got on the shelf. God, I got a book on the shelf, Dude. and that was like a big deal for me. Small, you know, y'all have authors all the time, so but that was a big, that oh, was a big huge. deal for me to to give that. But it, but it's on Amazon. Everybody, everybody got Amazon, so it's. it's Tyler, there. we got to talk about that because uh, my wife yeah. just put her book in book people too. Yeah. Um, what? Let's maybe on the same day because you know how you do the approval process. Yeah. On the same day, we'll do a, a book signing back. We will. Back. We'll do it. Book. We'll do it because we're waiting on them to do it. Tell her I would. Yeah, tell her I would same, be honored. We're, we're in the same process. Let's tell make it the same day. 
Because they're both uh, great books, and then we can bring all our people together, and we'll sell two books. Hey, will you send me? Will you send me? Uh, send me her oh. book so I can go ahead and purchase that bad boy. Because yeah. like you can't see me, I don't know if y'all see all these books in the in the background. But yeah, we, we'll we do. Read, we read we'll, 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 we'll go readers. through both. We'll we'll make sure that we have it inside out, and then we'll uh, support each other on that. Tell her I'm buying two copies. All right. <laughs> there you go. There you go. They can get a hold of you on social media at uh, TC Speaks Thirty Two. So you guys listening to this, listening to this on the podcast, uh, you can get a hold of at TC Speaks 32 and his website is I am Tyler Campbell.com. Uh, Campbell is C A M P B E L L for you guys listening on the podcast. Like the soup. Like the soup. Like the soup. Yes, like you soup. are the soup. Soup to nuts, man. This has been such a great conversation, man. I appreciate you. I can't wait to finish the book in all in all seriousness. I've I've got halfway through it and I'm I'm like so excited to finish reading it. Knowing you and hearing your voice in my head as I'm reading it is such a great joy. And the 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 nuggets and the and just the transparency and the vulnerability with which you write, you know, is so powerful. I just want to give you like major props oh, thanks, because man. so oftentimes, you know, especially in different communities, you know, there's this, like you said before, there's this thing where you got to put on this, this tough, you know, exterior. I'm a football player. I'm this, my dad's this, but you come at it full on. Like, here's where I'm at. Here's what I'm going through. Here's my story. And here's how you can learn from it. I know you're going to impact and you are impacting a lot of youth. And that's, what's so important right now in this world right now yeah, is, is we got to impact the youth. Yes, so man, thank you so much. Uh, appreciate you for being here on here. Any final words for, uh, for Tyler before we, uh, before we let him loose, Scott. Um, love you. Love you too, Scotty. Love you too, man. There All right, is. Tyler, I'm going to place you backstage. I'm going to place you backstage. Don't go anywhere because we still want to jam with you for a second. We're just going to finish out the show. But man, thank you so much for being here on the Unfiltered Experience. We appreciate you. So, so Scott, John, uh, Jock, Jock says right here, he says, beautiful. He goes, that guy shines light from within. Oh, God, yeah. Boom. Jock, thank you so much, brother, for being here and, and sharing that. So some final thoughts, Mr. Goyette. Um, I'm going to make, make it very succinct. Um, the first time that he and I spoke together, um, I think we talked to for about two hours, massive vulnerability. We, you know, he and I just wear ourselves on our sleeves. We're both of the same cloth. So we literally were just like, yeah, they're always crying. This happened, this happened, this happened. We were just back and forth, just like, like laughing and vulnerability and transparency. And we're both like, oh, cool, man. That was great. And it was just like pure, like, no conversation that you have with many people and instantly i saw that superhero he speaks speaks about so everybody go get that book everybody realize that you have a superhero living within you and what he was talking about about that thing that you think you're bad at i mean tyler and i can go all day long about the thing that you were told you know you're not fast enough and that person ends up making the nba or you're not strong enough and they end up winning you know, like a strength championship I'm telling you, that thing that's highlighted that you think you're not good at, there's a reason it keeps popping up and you keep trying and not succeeding. There's something in that. Dig deeper. Tyler is on point. That's where your super hot hair is living. Awesome quotes. Pull out, Chris. I love it. And I loved everything about it. Buy the book. Be awesome. Tyler rocks. That's all I got. Tyler rocks. That's a, that's, that's a new hashtag. Tyler rocks. Tyler rocks. You know, honestly for me, for me, Scott, in this conversation is, is just, there's a couple of words that come to my mind. One of them is vulnerability mm. in the fact that he can be up here and be this tough guy, former football player, dad's hall of famer, you know, got this prestigious, you know, stuff going on, but he's coming clean. He's coming to the game saying, Hey, here, here's what's up. Here's where I'm struggling with. And just being honest. I mean, but the biggest thing I got from the conversation is the fact that it's about connection. It's really about connecting. And when we're vulnerable and when we're real with ourselves and the ability to connect and have real true conversations like we've had on here on the show um, is just truly amazing. And that's the thing that we invite all of you guys out there listening to this and watching this right now on live or on the replay is we got to connect with one another. We got to have conversations. We got to listen. We got to seek first to understand, then to be understood. Because in the grand scheme of things, we're all more the same than we are different, no matter if we're black, white, straight, gay, tall, short, Republican, Democrat, any fucking label you want to put on it. We're all more the same than we are different. And the fact of the fact of the matter is, if you split us down the middle, we're all the same. I can get a heart from Tyler. You can get a kidney from Tyler. We, we can all interchange our parts. And that says something about the fact that we in this world today must connect. We must understand that irregardless of all the divisiveness and the bullshit that's going on in the world today, we must listen and connect and be more real and honest and vulnerable with ourselves because that connection can create healing. And that healing can create a better world for us and especially for our kids. So it's such a powerful conversation. I can't wait to finish the book. But uh, thank you so much, Scott, for introducing us to, to Tyler. And I look forward to having more conversations with them um and uh yeah what do uh so yeah get the book like, 
Yeah, get, get the book. Superhero. Get transparent. Do it yes, all. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And we'll be back here next Friday night, 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on The Unfiltered Experience. Meanwhile, go check us out at www.theunfilteredexperience.com. Join the Facebook group and the family. I will be out of Facebook jail on thir- on Sunday, so I will be able to actually go back and comment. We can actually go back to streaming live on Facebook in our groups and our pages. So we thank each and every one of you guys for being here. Thank you, Robert, for being here. Thank you, Lee, for being here. Thank you, Jock, for being here. Thank you, Lauren Michaels-Harris, for being here. I look forward to meeting. I'm going to be meeting this guy in uh Chicago on April 27th and 28th. We're going to be speaking at the Power We Symposium. So thank you, Lauren, for being here. Thank you, Robert, for being here. I'm going to go back and check out your comments as always. Uh, But go out there and be beautiful and go out there and be a part of the solution. Ladies and gentlemen, we love you. And we will see you next time on the Unfiltered Experience. Peace.